get ready to strap in, sit down, and then, well, stay seated. For the next episode, it's a courtroom drama, but in space. Captain, I believe the paint is drying over here. (laughs) Data's humanity gets tested. And this time it's not by Dr. Pulaski. It's like, you would you put your lawnmower in charge of, of the <laughs> flagship right. of the yeah. Federation? No! Did I mention it's courtroom drama, but in space? M- Mr. Roddenberry, l- look at this kangaroo court. And then this happens. Call, call! And this! Have you ever heard me spell knife? Bang, bang! Oh, uh, p- pretend that was a gavel. Because court is in session. Right about... Now. Welcome, everybody, to STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. I, as always, am your podcast pal, Ambassador Andrew, and with me, as always, is... Commander Dave E. Dave. Commander Dave E. Dave, we salute you. And your service to the podcasting universe. <laughs> Dave, Starfleet itself, come on. This is a podcast that rewatches TNG. Star Trek, the next generation. The next generation. Not the previous right. generation. Not the generation after that. Just the, the next, next one. one. And we kind of look at it from a fan's point of view as people who are into it, who dig it. All okay. right. All right. <laughs> so, Are you done? <laughs> I was oh, I'll jump, jump in. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know, the show is about 30 plus years old, and we're going back and watching it again and enjoying every single stinking episode. So this is an exciting episode for us because this is one of the most acclaimed TNG episodes of all time. Right. During a routine crew rotation, Dr. Bruce Maddox announces that he is having... Mm data transferred under his command in order for the doctor to disassemble our favorite android in order to study him and possibly create more of his kind more datas i'm always saying more data data is properly apprehensive and declines the transfer going so far as resigning from starfleet to avoid falling under maddox's command that's crazy you'd think that was the end of it but maddox says data cannot resign and unfortunately JAG officer Philippa Louvois, Louvois agrees. Picard challenges the ruling, leading mm. to a hearing where he defends Data, while Riker has no choice but to represent Maddox. What? Oh. All that God. happens in this one episode. Dude, that sounds like the fixings for quite a dramatic stew, Dave. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to space unpack in this episode. (laughs) Well, I mean, one thing I want to bring up almost immediately is that we constantly have talked to this show about how there's not enough physical action. Right. You you have spoken rather eloquently about the need to deliver dialogue and and story through action. There is no action. (laughs) No action in the sense of there's no phasers, there's no fighting. I mean, the ship is even like orbiting. It's a starbase. You you don't even get to see it like an outside space. It's like inside space. Yeah, the ship is not even actually moving in this episode. That is funny. I think the ship. I think the ship docks. Kind of maybe it it closes in on the outpost. Nothing happens motion wise, but a lot happens emotionally and dramatically in this episode. And I, I know I'm 
the one to say that. And like in our last episode where we actually had some real action going on, I was so excited. I don't know. I, I don't know where I come down on this episode because it's so good and it says so many interesting things and it does a lot of the things that Star Trek does well that, you know, on one hand, I think it's great. And and I guess if there were other more action heavy episodes and then you landed on this one, I wouldn't be complaining so much about the actionless episodes. But well, it reminds me of the original series. And we had some dra- uh, courtroom drama episodes in the original oh, series. Yes. And when I watched the original series, I was young. I was a kid. So it was like a screeching halt when those episodes came on. I, I like, oh, my God. Right. Please stop right. this. It's so boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the one with, you know, that we we covered on our show, when you go back and watch The Cage of the Menagerie, and there's this courtroom sequence in it, and it is awfully boring. If you haven't, dear listener, had a chance to listen to our visiting the Menagerie, please do. We have very special guests, Nicole Goo and David Baker. It's on the website, TNGs.com. Don't be shy. Revisit the past a little bit. We all kind of liked that episode, so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of love and praise for it, as well as going like, you know, why the hell are they doing also doing a lot of boring stuff in the episode? Well, Nicole and Dave, Dave Baker are are much nicer people than we are. Oh, and I think that that really had an influence on that particular <laughs> oh, special. Is that part. how you see us? Interesting. Yeah, that's that's actually you know, if there isn't anyone polite and civilized in the room, we're just a bunch of it savages. I, I feel like I need to journal about that. I'm gonna work on that. <laughs> So what you're saying is there's not a lot of motion, but there is a lot of e-motion. It's in my name. Dave E. Dave. Talk. That's what the E is for. E-motion. Dave E-motion Dave. And I should also point out that there's not a lot of action, but there sure is a lot of reaction because there's a lot coming at you in this particular episode. I, I like your I like your wordplay. There's a lack of action, but there's a lot of acting. I, I What I do want to say is that the, the first thing we got to talk about is the fact that you get your first ever TNG right. poker game. It is. And this is a big deal because this poker game becomes a reoccurring set piece for them. And it's smart and it works really well. And they use it to get all kinds of right. character work done. And I really liked it here. I, th- I thought it was it was intelligently done, especially seeing how data is going to evolve throughout this right. uh, series and how he's going to encounter poker and play poker and the lessons he learns from it. He learns a lot. Jonathan Frakes does a nice job. You can totally imagine that Riker would be really good at poker. It makes sense. Finally, some characterization. You know, the trombone thing still gets me, (laughs) but the poker playing makes perfect sense. The leaning on things, the straddling chairs, the tromboning. That's hard to see, but poker, sure. Got it. So that was, but that's, that's at the very beginning. Right. That's sort of our teaser, which is a smart teaser because, as we've mentioned, there's not a lot of action here. And, you know, I got to tell you, when I hear log entry, crew rotation, whoa, <laughs> now we strap in, folks. On the, on the poker game, can we share who was around the table, too? Because I think it's interesting to see how the poker game actually evolves. There's always Riker's always there. We've always got Data and Jordy, right? And in this scene, we have... Yes. Pulaski joining the game. Yes. And I think Miles O'Brien. Yeah, I did want to talk about Miles because they're still kind of feeling out his character. And I don't know. Call Meany mm-hmm. is a really good actor. He has been suffering through the show from the very beginning. He was basically a background player in the beginning. And I, I think they maybe always intended to bring him on. Yes. I don't know. He's not the he's not the O'Brien that he becomes later on. He's a little more insightful later. He's kind of like no. this rugged guy, but he's I don't know. Well, you know what I want to say about okay. O'Brien? Yes. 
Ah, this is for you, Miles. Okay, hold on. It's a delicious boobly here. Here's my Perrier. A shout out to our captain. Oh, oh. Oh wow, well, that's much, that had uh, a nice crack to it. Yeah, but not as much um, effervescence as I would expect. Mm, well, it's because in keeping with the epi- episode. So the one thing that is true, and we compare this to the menagerie. When we talked about the okay. menagerie, we also talked about the fact that the framing device, which was the court, right, and it's a framing device in order for them to recycle the original pilot of the show with Captain Christopher Pike. So the okay. real action is in the scenes that they're seeing from another planet. But the courtroom action is pretty static, and it's a two-part episode, and the cliffhanger for the first part, the menagerie. Yes, the menagerie, okay. In the original series, and the cliffhanger for the menagerie is Captain Kirk kind of walking around a room. The lights are dim, and he's just kind of walking around like, damn, now what do I do? And it's (laughs) there's such a lack of action. The the entire show is is them sitting in chairs, right, like watching TV. For anyone who hasn't enjoyed this, the Menagerie uses footage from the pilot episode of Trek, which was called The Cage. And, the Cage! And so they're using this footage of what was intended to be the first captain of the Enterprise, Captain Pike, the actor who played Pike. Jeffrey the, Hunter. Yes. Jeffrey Hunter. Decided he didn't want to stay on, so they use that, and it's interesting, they use that footage that they shot and 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 it's quite good footage especially for the time they're big sets and lots of lots of art direction and stuff and they you and and special effects and they use all this stuff in this episode but the way they use it is by kirk spock and pike and whoever else is there admiral dude admiral guy persington there's an admiral there as judge and and they're basically watching the stuff on TV. They're, they're like with us and they're watching it. And I guess it's appropriate at the end of the episode for Kirk to be pacing around because that's probably what the audience was doing in 1966 at the time, pacing around the living room was going, what the hell? It's like the beginning of Loud as a Whisper, like the, the tension building teaser is is Worf, Troy and Picard wandering around like a mall. And <laughs> I don't know <laughs> with nothing to do. Commander Worf, look at this. Look at the wallpaper over here, because that's what they were doing. They're basically they materialize and then they start looking at the wall. <laughs> it's like, uh, Captain, I believe the paint is drying over here. <laughs> Let's watch it together, Captain. Yeah. But in this case, the, the episode, first of all, is just one part. But there's some real drama here that's driven by the situation like the menagerie, the the drama really comes not from the court martial, but from you. Know, like you know, Spock's not going to go to jail, right? You know, Spock has a reason for for committing mutiny, right? And it's just like, what's that going to be? What's going to be the solution to the problem? Right. You also know that they're not going to take Data away and take him apart. So the question is, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to fix it? It's right. like last episode, a matter of honor. Where, you know, how's Riker not going to blow up the Enterprise or end up dead? Right. And th- and that's the formulaic part of the show that that drives me crazy, especially on these on this uh, version of the show. In, in the original series, you know, they worked in the same formula where it's episodic. So it resets every time. So you're instead of going like, oh, is, you know, when you're watching something modern where you're like, oh, is this character going to make it out of this? season are they going to be alive still at the end of the season you're going like how are we going to reset and get back to normal by the end of the episode and that's what we're asking every time then it's really about the writing the craft of the writing being good enough to to fool you into believing 
the fantasy of what's going on in the episode. And I, in this episode, got caught up in it. I started, you know, I know what I know what happens to data, but I still got into the tension of it. I got, I thought, well, wow, you know, what what's going to happen? How does data get out of this? And I know he gets out of it, but how does he get out of it? And and it's a good static episode you basically at the end of it you know once the trial starts you have like five people there there's no spectators which is weird but you have five people in the room you have uh, picard you have Riker, you have data you have uh commander maddox, maddox and then you have philippa which i, I can't wait to talk about All right. i say philippa the acting is so good it I mean, is especially they're... jean-luc data Riker, they all do a wonderful job in this episode. They do. And I think for all the goofing on Riker that we did in season one, and, and this was our theory, I think, it was Jonathan Frakes being thrown into a bunch of uncomfortable situations where he was given bad scenes, bad dialogue, and then a lot of conflict behind the scenes in the writing where they just didn't know what to do with Riker. And so he was being put in weird situations that he was having a hard time acting out of. And when you have him like last episode when he was on board the Klingon ship and it was an excellent episode with him and, and for Riker. And then you have him here again, he's actually delivering like a courtroom drama, which is totally a different kind of style than what he was doing last episode, which was the more action, more kind of physical humor. And we're mm -hmm. seeing a range to Jonathan Frakes and, and it's, it's broader than it appears. I think, especially when you look at season one, the guy's a good actor and, He's just been given kind of a, a lame character sometimes. And I honestly think Frakes brings a ton to this character on this time through. I'm really getting a better appreciation of what 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 he brought to this thing. I can't agree with you more. I never liked the character of Riker. And granted, he still has some pretty iffy episodes coming up. Watching it now the way we're watching it and really looking at the dynamic of it, I'm really starting to love him a lot more than I ever have before. And And there's just something really compelling about him in this particular episode yes but there's one scene i want to call out mm. that i love all right and so riker is being forced to be basically the prosecutor right and yeah. there's this great scene <laughs> okay where he's doing his research he asked the computer pull up the schematics of commander data love the lieutenant commander data and he goes through it and he sees something that that triggers a thought in his head like oh i see what i could do and he smiles because he's like happy that he found that solution but then he realizes what it means by finding that solution it's going to really cause trouble for data right and his mood switches and he does that all without saying a thing it's all through his his facial expression and posture. And I thought that was really well done. No, you're right. And I like that too, because I mean, it's a subtle scene in a show that isn't subtle a lot of times. And so he's looking at something, <laughs> you don't see what he's looking at. You see the schematics, like a form of data with a bunch of readouts around it. You don't know what exactly he sees. So you have to suppose it's something, right? But you get it right. through his acting that he sees something and then his expression is like, uh oh, like, what do I do with this information? Right, right. And it's it, it's so complicated and it's so it is totally well played. I'd like to say something about him being the prosecutor or representing yes. Maddox. I don't understand it. They're on a space station, which if everybody remembers Star Trek Two: the Wrath of Khan. Anyways, it, it, it's it's the model that they use as a science space station that was working on Genesis. Bring me Genesis! Is that Christopher Lloyd? 
That is my attempt at Christopher Lloyd. I'm inspired by you. Admiral Kirk. That's that's a little bit too con. It's like Christopher Lloyd. Give me Genesis. I can't get my Lloyd on. Sorry. So I I know I just drifted off into space like so often I do on this podcast. I, I, I wanted to mention, though, the setup of the court, I think, is weird. And and especially for a case that is so important. And so you have this space station and you've got this whatever name is Philippa Justice there. And she's set up to be the. She's the Jag. Philippa Justice. She's that's I'm her. Philippa sh- Justice. That's her show. Have beehive. Will not travel because she's not going anywhere. She's on a space station. And, and she's neither is that hair. That hair isn't going to move an inch. Talk about an Annie Jameson's uh, leftover can of hairspray. I mean, that talk about an Emmy worthy hair uh, action there, right there. Star Trek yeah. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Shatner the... underwater worthy. <laughs> Yeah, this one deserved the Emmy, like um, Reva's hair. Uh, I'm sorry, you're trying high. to make a point. You're trying to make a point I know, point you're about getting me distracted, Riker. and you're making me excited uh, about talking about hair because I wanted to do that on this episode. What I, what I was going to say was the way the court is set up is so strange. She's the judge, Philippa. Picard steps up, and he's going to represent Data, which makes sense. He's his captain, right? He's going to defend his. He's going to defend him. They don't have anybody else on that whole space station that can be the prosecutor, and so you go, I mean, it doesn't make sense, even though Jonathan Frakes is quite good at what he does in this episode, it doesn't make sense to take the second in command of the spaceship that Data is on and go, uh, Commander Riker, would you mind stepping in and turning on your friend and prosecuting him? It, it, well, okay, so so weird. part of it, I think, we're, we're supposed to think is because she's got some issues, right? Because Picard keeps going on about how mean she was to him, at the root of this whole episode, you have to set aside a lot of disbelief because just the fact that this is a question, is Data sentient? It's right. like, well, you know, I think he's just property in the machine, but let's make him third in command of the flagship of the Federation. I think that's a good idea. It's like, you would you put your lawnmower in charge of, of the <laughs> flagship right. of the yeah. Federation? No. Right. And he has medals. He has a rank. Right. So at, at no point did anyone go, hey, wait a minute. We wouldn't give medals to our our Alexa, would we? We wouldn't give medals to a ceiling fan. Why are we giving it to this clown? Yeah, it is weird. I, I don't know. I, I like the idea, though, that everybody on board the Enterprise accepts Data as a person. Oh, sure. Riker started the whole series questioning his humanity in that, you know, clunky Pinocchio scene. <laughs> a robot that doesn't know how to whistle? How easily you humans do that. Yeah, so Data can't whistle, but he can do all these other things, and it's funny, and then Riker makes... The reason I hated Riker. Pleased I to know, meet you, so... Pinocchio. Just <laughs> <laughs> see I called him Pinocchio? That Just was... see that, Picard? You You said you couldn't do a Riker impression. What I like, though, is that everybody aboard the Enterprise agrees that he's a person and that. But there is still this threat outside in Starfleet that other um, humans don't see Data's value and that somebody from the outside could so easily come in and disrupt the system that exists on the Enterprise. And I think that that speaks to all kinds of people who aren't in command and don't have okay first of all you're forgetting kate pulaski but second of all i'm just gonna say this is crap i get it i get it i am gonna suspend my disbelief because we're gonna have a drama here it's metaphor okay i get it i get it i get it 
But in order for you to get to the point where you believe that this has to be proven in a court, you have to get to the the point where you believe that all of Starfleet has basically ignored this problem until this time. They're going to give him a medal because, remember, one of his medals is a medal of valor. Right. That's a human trait. I mean, it's it's they've already copped to it. Like I said, you're not going to put him in charge of the damn Enterprise if he's a he's a machine that has no sentience to him. Why wouldn't you just have an autopilot then? You know, Picard's like, oh, I have to go. Uh, I have to go to the loo. I'm just going to put on the autopilot. That's right. my Picard. It's really bad. Uh, uh, Commander Data, you have the calm. I have the shitter. <laughs> But why would he even give him the con? He would just say, I'm going to push this orange button here. Fly, <laughs> ship, fly. Right. Well, we've said this before that they don't need to be, you know, the data could run the whole operation. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I listen to our episodes and I, and I try to wonder what other people think when they listen to us complaining about the show that we supposedly love. <laughs> and, and I go, and I go, you know, they have to make the episode about something, guys. This is me talking to us. Guys, but that's what I'm saying. It has not, to be about something. But see, I'm not complaining about that. I'm complaining about your issue with Riker because it makes total sense to me because they don't have to pay another guy. <laughs> no, right? but, so and, and they want to increase the drama, so they put Riker in that situation. But what and what, I can accept that more than I can accept this whole trial. Okay, so it works having Riker in it because they create some really great tension. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if it was a real court of law, you would never put somebody who is total bias in that role. He wouldn't like... Well, you would never have this case. <laughs> this case would have been thrown out already. All right, so uh, like on two points, it doesn't work. I'm just saying that like they get a lot of really good drama out of it d- b- despite that, but it's weird because you keep thinking that Riker... The idea that Riker is compelled to pursue this in the way he does with the zest that he does, it's a lot like what we've talked about with this sort of Roddenberry rule book about what Starfleet is supposed to be. What they're saying is that any commander of any vessel should put aside their emotions and be able to act in the way that he's acting. Like and and to say, yes, yes, I'm I'm his friend, but I have to put all that aside because above everything else, I'm a Starfleet officer. So Roddenberry, in in my very, very deep, deep, deep research, uh. I saw a quote where someone was saying that Roddenberry didn't want to do this episode because he didn't think there were lawyers. No lawyers in space. Right. That there were lawyers in the 24th century. They'd have trials in the 24th century because all this stuff was handled. There's no that everyone was so evolved that there were no conflicts. Right? There's no sous chefs in outer space. There's no so, lawyers. So it's just like if you go back to justice. There's no. There's no one running any spelling bees. None of it. Spelling bees. Yes. Have you ever heard me spell knife? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with it, but what I'm saying is that no, the, I don't either. But it, it, it's it's perfectly charming. Dave. Yes, yes. The things that Roddenberry got worked up about are confusing. There's a lot of behind the scenes tension that went on in these first two seasons with Roddenberry sticking his great beak in it. Caw, caw. Uh, Mr. Roddenberry, Mr. Roddenberry, look at this kangaroo court. What have they done with your show? All right, listeners, I got to be honest with you. I don't think my throat can do Roddenberry today. Oh, come on. Oh, good Lord. It's It's me. It's it's me. It's It's me. me. Hey, hey, it's no, it's me. I'm going to take you to court for imitating me. Nobody does a better great bird. A great bird. Cool. Cool. Yeah. uh, I don't think there should be courts because they've already developed a way to manipulate people's brains so they don't commit crime. Mr. Roddenberry, 
Mr. Roddenberry, I was there in the writers' wow. room, and you said, "You said, awesome. fellas, fellas, slow down the show as much as possible. Make sure there's no shooting, there's no fighting, th- th- there's no kissing. Just make sure that none of that business exists in this future." So, so, so we threw him in a courtroom. It makes sense, Mr. Roddenberry. Hello, hello. I'm Cyril Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's cousin, whose voice is easier to do. I love and it. My cousin used to say. I don't want no conflict in Starfleet, so there don't need to be any trials. Core, core. I love your British-style car. I'm the cousin of the great bird of the galaxy. Car, car. What, what was your name, Cornwall what? Cyril. 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 Cyril Cornwall Roddenberry. The third. This is why we have so many fans in England. They love this kind of stuff. I'm the great swan of the galaxy. Honk, honk. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you and me amuse each other to no end. So the, <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. Yeah, yeah. Again, we're coming up against this whole Roddenberry thing. And, sure. You know, Roddenberry, uh, I mean, you know, we're making fun of him being this British scraper and all that. But the fact is, he invented the show and he was given a lot of license. Even when he was stepping back at this point, he wasn't really there. Yeah, sure. But he still was given all his license to kind of command these edicts on the show. And it's just... I also wonder if someone said to him, hey, you know, Gene, I I get your complaints about the courtroom and everything, but do you remember the menagerie? (laughs) So we kind of already did... Oh, God damn it. All right. So, oh, 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 bother. I guess we have no choice, is what my cousin said. That was a season one filler episode, is what he told me. They ran out of bloody scripts. <laughs> it's true. It's Sorry, true. Got a little Australian there towards the end, but that's fine. It's true. Well, you're working your way around the globe. You'll get back to your original gene eventually if you keep going. And again, this this is a podcast listened to on six out of seven continents because the folks in Antarctica just don't have it together. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think we're selling ourselves short. I think somebody has downloaded that podcast back home and they've brought it to Antarctica. And, and there's got to be somebody, one person in Antarctica is listening to this, you know, on a player. So, so, so and, you think like they downloaded it in Patagonia and mm-hmm. then took a canoe yeah. over to Antarctica. Absolutely. And now they're they're OK, that that works for me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Also, if we didn't have this courtroom drama, we we wouldn't be able to meet Philippa Lavoie. You need to go come with me now. Here, this is a, a lesson time day. Let's take a stroll, number one. The name is Philippa, so it's just like Philip with an ah. Philippa. 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 I, I, I'm only dating chicks with uh, French-sounding names. It's such a weird name, Philippa. Who the hell is named Philippa except two characters in the Star Trek universe? Wait, Her there's another and one. Then, uh, M- M- Michelle Yeoh's character. Is Philippa Georgiou, you know, another great French person <laughs> on Discovery. But I don't know anyone named Philippa. I know two characters named Philippa. Right. If you're if you're out there, if you're listening and your name is Philippa, please, by all means, send us an email. Yeah. And, I, I, and no offense to you. It's just such a weird name. There's nothing wrong with that name. It's, but it is. Are you sure? We've done a lot of um, deep chat about the names on this show. You know, we've got our Jamesons. We've got our Dr. Uh, Stephen Miller. We've got our. Wyatt. Wyatt Miller. It's it's so boring. You always forget it. And his dad, his dad, his dad. <laughs> I know. But his, oh, his dad is Stephen Miller. His That's dad. Right. Wyatt. And Stephen Miller. The Millers are here. It, yeah. You know, Armis himself and, and Noonien Sung. And we've got these names that are, I think, shout outs to real people. I mean, Armis certainly is a shout out. And we've got shout outs to real people who exist in the world of Trek and Roddenberry. And so I wonder if, uh, you know, 
What's her name again? <laughs> Philippa Philippa? I just wonder if that's Majel Barrett's best friend or something. And they gave her yeah. that name or one of Roddenberry's ex squeezes or something. And, and she's. Well, I, I, I do have to say that she is played by Amanda McBroom. Mm. And it's not so it's not like the names <laughs> she could have just gone by Amanda McBroom and everyone would we'd still be having this discussion. But do you know what Amanda McBroom is actually famous for, Dave? Oh, yeah, I do. Um, I think it has something to do with like three cans of hairspray that she used on this show because <laughs> she's got this shellac do. And I'm not going to not talk about this do. Just let me talk about it for a minute. And then you can tell what she's really famous for. I, I, she's got I, this shellac do. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, we, we've seen some hairdos on these poor actresses on this show that are, are just so weird. And they come out of the 50s. And I was really thinking about it in the show because I had some extra time because the, uh, the scenes were kind of long. And I was thinking, like, if you think about the hair of 1989 when this was filmed, I mean, the hairdos, people, just go back and look at some photos. People's hair was terrible. And women's hair was terrible. It was all that fluffed up, you know, hairspray, I don't know what you call it, feathering and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The show was going like, look, 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 this is the future. And hair has got to evolve in some way. And what what kind of hairdos do we have? Where can we go? And so then the show thinks, let's go back to the 1950s and style these women's hair like they used to <laughs> in 1955. It's such a weird jump. And so you've got this hairdo that looks like Nancy Reagan's hair. Hello, hello, Dave. Dave. Yeah. What, you it's me again, Cyril. I didn't want to tell you this, but I make my living selling VO5 hairspray. <laughs> That's what Cousin Gene said to me. He said, he said, listen, old boy, do you think you can get us free crates of VO5? Right. Yeah. As far as we know that after the Gloria Vanderbilt jeans commercial that there was a, you know, a Formula VO5 commercial. I mean, that very well could have happened or or white <laughs> rain, white rain, maybe. I don't know. But what, what she's really famous for. All right. Is she wrote that damn song to the Rose, the Bette Midler one, not the Lady Gaga one. Bette Midler's the Rose. <laughs> when the night is too lonely. You can't and sing oh, it on this podcast, please, because too long. It's just a bit. It's All fair right. use. So, yeah, it's a really famous song from the movie The Rose, right? The original, yes. The original version of The Rose. Mm -hmm. Philippa, with that name, is such a weird character. Yeah. And I don't understand the characterization. First of all, I don't understand why Picard calls her over, because he clearly has some serious issues with her. She finds him, like, really attractive. She calls him a damn sexy man, you... which which is, is like, wow. But... I, has anyone ever called you that? Has anyone ever said that to you, Dave? Anyone ever said, Dave? You're a damn sexy man. Yeah, no, but I'm not. I'm no Patrick Stewart. No, but the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, look. I mean, they didn't make it super clear, but they uh, they dated. No, they didn't date. Uh, yeah, there was some. That was the implication. What? Yeah, that there was some. No, I didn't get that at all. They had some thing, and then she ended up having to be the judge who ends up court martialing him, even though they still had a fling before that. That's what I took away from that. Is that not right? Wow. You know, I don't know. I have to go back and look. Why would you say that to him? Listeners, by all means, hey. if you think there's been some action here, I do. some extra judicial action, let us know. Well, she drops that line to him. Why would you say that to him? I, I, I know, baby, I court-martialed you and shit, but you are yeah. still one sexy, bald French English dude. You're a steaming hot piece of dilithium is what you are. 
You you fire my photons there, Johnny. <laughs> Not everybody can wear that uniform the way you wear it. <laughs> and listen, listen, I like the cut. I like the way that that zipper goes all the way down the front, John Luke. <laughs> and, and let me tell you a thing or two. Uh, I've smelled a few of these uniforms walking around. Oh, God, no. <laughs> the no. Enterprise. And yours, John Luke, it is sexy. Your musk, John Luke stinks so good <laughs> can we talk about the trial oh yeah i forgot there's a very important a trial going on in the show so shows so she she rules she rules that data is property right. and this is the other thing too they start dropping that word property at some point picard says it's a euphemism and i'm like pal that's not much of a euphemism you know euphemism be, be, being a, a a kind of language that makes something unpleasant sound pleasant yeah instead of a thing we'll call you property excuse me no thing We'll call you a suitcase. Would that be better, Commander Data? Oh, and can we talk about that suitcase? Can we? That is the stupidest suitcase. Okay, I have complained before <laughs> about yeah about the 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 pillows on this show mm-hmm. about how the furniture seems really really uncomfortable. Right. There's this great uh, Instagram account where the person actually sources Star Trek: The Next Generation and Star Trek in general. The furniture. And the the glasses and the plates and then the chairs. What do you mean, like the like they produce it so you can buy it, or they? No, no, no. That that they actually these things actually exist, right? I mean, they're the product of people just going out and looking at different designs, and they're like, oh, you know, oh, over here at Crate and Barrel, look at this chair that looks remarkably uncomfortable. Let's bring that in. But let's talk about that suitcase. That suitcase is ridiculous. Who the fuck makes a cylindrical suitcase? I know. Well, Who the, I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Well, you don't. It's funny because, you know, it's a prop used to convey what's happening and he's packing up. But the, the fact is that you don't need a suitcase. You can just beam your shit to wherever it's going next. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't go in a thing. What, what's great, too, is that everything he puts in there is basically a rectangle. Except for that crystal that he has of Yar, right? He puts in the book. He puts in yeah. the frame of the metals. I don't know what else he would pack. Yeah, yeah. Y- you know, what the hell else is he going to pack? It's like, well, I can't wear these uniforms anymore. Don't forget your deodorant, Data. When he resigns. Don't forget your don't forget your underwear, Data. Before we get to this trial, we still haven't gotten to this trial yet, man. But I got to say something about this going away party. Okay, that's good. Let's do it. First of all, that party scene is absolutely hilarious. When he's doing the thing with the paper. I love that. Yeah. That's a that's that's a great moment. But Pulaski, I swear to God. What's your problem with Pulaski? Is the mandate just be as unpleasant and unlikable as possible? Right. We've already bagged on her so often. Worf says that thing about in Klingon, the novel reached its true form or whatever. And she's like, I couldn't disagree more. And I'm like, no one's asking you, Carrot Top. <laughs> no one's really asking you right now, okay? She's always poking her nose into somebody else's business. I mean, that's supposed yeah. to be her. You know, what's funny about Pulaski is that they just keep up with it. They don't back off. They never said, you know what? This Pulaski, you know, at least with those Ferengi, they figured it out after a couple of episodes. It's not working. Let's get rid of these guys for a while, at least. Bring them back in Deep Space Nine. But Pulaski, no, they're they're beating that thing to death. I mean, she's just going to keep doing it. She should have been in the courtroom. Right. I would have asked for her to be there. First of all, I would have asked her to take Riker's place. Yeah. But second of all, she should have been there taking notes, man, because... I, I need a stenographer. 
The doctor, do you mind? Okay, now listen to all the stuff I'm about to tell you, Kate, and right. absorb it, okay? It would have been good at the end of the episode, you know, when they do what they do, where they obviously prove the data is a living thing. He goes to her and says, I- I'm going to need you to uh, review a few files, uh, doctor. <laughs> I'm going to need you to... HR has sent these down for you, doctor. New directives from HR. Prepare yourself for a busy weekend of watching videos. <laughs> doctor, we're having a webinar in 10 forward. Mandatory attendance. Get your orange nose into your sensitivity training. I want to see those hours logged by the end of the weekend, doctor. Ask Philippa for some VO5 <laughs> and get your ass to 10 forward. Moving back to the trial. All right. Yeah, Frank says a great job. Yes. Spiner, again, does an incredible job. Spiner is so excellent. That look on his face when he takes the, when Riker takes yeah. the arm off, right. that look on his face is perfect. R- Riker reaches in, and we assume it's one of the things he learned about Data. He reaches in and unfastens his arm. He asks, Does he ask him first to do that? I, don't, I can't remember if he asked him or he just doesn't. He takes off the arm, and here you are holding this hand, and they, I mean, it's weird when he pulls it off, but then it's a, there's a great close angle of Riker holding the hand and the hand's moving still. Right. I was thinking that is such a creepy idea. Like here he is. Like, can you imagine taking off your friend's arm and just like holding it there? It's weird. But but it comes off oddly easy. I, I know, but he's got to give it a little twist. I know. You know was there a latch back there? And he's just like click click. It would be funny in some other episodes if his arm just popped off randomly because they weren't quite snapped it just in. Fell off. There's some interesting great moments with Picard in here, and we learn a lot about Picard in this episode. Because Picard, he was getting on my nerves early on because he keeps talking about Data in terms of him being a valuable crew member, right? He's like, I don't want you to take him apart because he's a valuable crew member. It's not like, I don't want you to take my friend apart. Right. It's like, please don't take apart my valuable crew member. I realized as I was watching it that this really is how Picard shows love. Right. This is his love language <laughs> to to challenge a ruling his love language is to give appropriate command praise. Right. Like when he praised Troy at the right. end of Loud as a Whisper, or he visited Jordy at the end of Elementary Dear Data. Right. He doesn't go to them and say, bring it in, number. Let's let's have a hug. Let's hug this bitch out. <laughs> Instead, he's like, you know, closer. Instead, he talks to them in, in terms of service and duty. Right. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you're a valuable crew member. Come in for your special Picard hug. <laughs> I mean, I was also seeing this as, again, with the Starfleet stuff, that that the way that Picard relates, uh, you know, by these rules and regulations, and I know it's in his character, but I also think it's in this idea of this command structure and that, you know, he can't get outside of that. And it make, made me ask, what would have happened if Maddox did go off with data what would picard have done and 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 you i totally get the impression from this episode that he would have let him do it because he said i've sent uh oh yeah yeah he's trying to justify it he's I, i've sent him off to more dangerous assignments and he's trying to justify it but there's data would have gone on the run yeah data would have gotten his, his his metal ass out of there but would picard have also aided in that and i and i want to think about this Picard is hero, as opposed to Picard that's, you know, bound by rules. You know, that didn't happen, of course, so it doesn't matter. Right. You know, right. would Picard have just let that happen if he lost the case? Of course, the story really is that Picard outsmarts the whole system and shows the humanity of Data in a way that only Picard can. So I get it. I understand that it doesn't really matter. But I, I still I, I still think about Captain Kirk. He would have been like, all, sure. dude, get, uh, get in the shuttle. We're out of here. You and me, we're on the run. Get 
get your metal ass in the shuttle. Picard's argument, and again, it, it irks me in the sense that, that he even has to make this argument, is is to to prove that Data has feelings, mm. right? That Data has, yeah, he was intimate with Yar. And I love that moment. I mean, it's it's an unforgettable moment where they have the crystal. It's such a nice touch that, yeah. that they have that crystal with Yar's image. It's a Yarogram. That they have this Yarogram. And that data is so like, well, you know, we were, you know, uh, yeah, you know, um, are uh, intimate. Yes, I used to have intercourse with her, and I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> but just the fact that he sort of hesitates to say it. Right. And, and Picard should have just turned around and said, hello, because <laughs> it's clear. I mean, he's he's hesitant. Hello. He's, he's sort of. Right. You know, if he could he could blush, he would have blushed at that right. moment. Well, but Data doesn't want to give up that information. And obviously he shared it with Picard because Picard pulls it out and he's like, you need to reveal that you've had this intimate relationship with our dead ex chief of security, whoever the hell she was. And how exactly does Picard know that? I don't know, but I, I it's OK. I, that works for me that he told him in confidence outside of that. But maybe everybody knew. I mean, listen, well, listen, listen, in confidence. What? What? Listen, maybe he's like on the deck below or the deck above them. And when Yara and Data were going at it, it was so goddamn loud that he couldn't. I mean, have you ever have you ever listened to a robot having sex with a person? I mean, it could get really noisy. It's loud. Bitty, bitty, bitty buck. I'm about to blow. <laughs> Some loud business. Me. I mean, do you think that he's just doing it? Well, I don't know. I don't know how you, Noonian programmed the dude. I, I imagine he's doing it quietly and efficiently, right, but okay right. then. Well, whatever he's doing, he's like, he was enjoying it. It meant something to him. And all these episodes where they keep saying that he's not a human being like this one, or he needs to learn how to, you know, tell a good joke. I mean, this, he's got something down, right? You know I mean? What? I, I just don't understand the, 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 how they were able to figure it out. That was just the weird part. Captain's log. I, I had a very uncomfortable conversation with data today. <laughs> data. Entered the Enterprise, a boy, but he'll be leaving a man. Data, my ready room. All right, Data, tell me all about it. And don't spare the details, please. When I was reading the intergalactic penthouse letters, I noticed one from a robot. <laughs> it sounded vaguely familiar. <laughs> that one's that one's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> None of them should be keepers. So so Picard's approach to the case is smart because he it fits into that time-honored Star Trek understanding of what life is. As soon as you could start attaching recognizable behaviors or values, right? So Devil in the Dark, the original series with the Horda, they think the Horda is just a monster until they right. realize it's laying eggs and it's a mother. Right. Uh, last season, home soil. As soon as they realized the, the little glowing lights, microscopic were, uh, organisms. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they realized that those things were reproducing, then they're like, oh, as soon as they're doing something we recognize as, as a, a human thing, like it has a human trait. Yeah. Right. And, and, and Maddox comes in with this idiotic, you know, this, his, his three signs of sentience. Intelligence, self-awareness, and consciousness. I'm having a real hard time separating those three out. Right. Like, what the hell is the difference between self-awareness and consciousness? 
But Picard, I know. Once, once that door is open, Picard just goes to town. Yeah, Picard really, really uses all those as weapons against Maddox. It's like, one, intelligence, two, two, uh, sentience, three, uh, the robot's got a big one. <laughs> Data, do you know where you are? Yeah, sure. I'm here. I'm on court. I'm getting, I, I'm on trial here to see if I got right. a right to choose. It's like, duh, next. Bingo. Bing, 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 bing. Next up, how do you please a woman? <laughs> so, Data, you, you can't whistle. However, <laughs> Tasha seemed very pleased. Yeah, well, it would have been funny if, if Riker made a case about the fact that he's not a human by all the things that he can't do. He can't tell a joke. He can't whistle. He can't get his fingers out of that Chinese finger trap that he gets him caught in in the second or third episode last season. That right. would have made a funnier case. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Clyde Kusatsu, who uh, plays uh, Vice Admiral Nakamura. Oh, he just kind of yeah. wanders through. But you know how anxious we were to see more Asians in there. And he'll be a character who pops up here and there. Right. Yeah, that's true. He does come back. He's a well-traveled character actor, which is just what we call a great actor who never gets the roles he deserves. Right. So, Well, especially since he's an Asian actor at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I I also want to talk a little bit about the delightful Whoopi Goldberg. Here comes Guinan, and she's going to give us some advice. Guinan! It's Guinan talk. Uh, I totally underappreciated Whoopi Goldberg at the time, I realized. And yeah. it, it partially mm-hmm. it's because of some of the movies that she did. I just can't get my mind around Sister Act 1 or 2. What about Jumping Jack Flash? Well, Jumping Jack Flash is so much better than Sister Act. I, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen Sister Act 1 or 2. The thing is, she's a good actor, and she was a star at that point, And they were throwing all right. these movies at her. And, you know, sometimes these stars pick really great movies to be in. Some of the movies she picked weren't that great. And look, she... She won an Academy Award for being a ghost. So weird that they call her in for just this one scene. And I understand she was limited. She was busy. Just what you said. She, Pardon yeah. me, Miss Goldberg. Do you mind coming in for just one scene? You and Pat gonna sit there and talk about slavery. Yeah, you mind doing that? Well, and that's the part that's weird is that they use her to identify slavery. And it's sort of like a nod to the fact that this is really Whoopi Goldberg and not Guinan, because Guinan's character is not from Earth at all, right. but she's being played by an African-American actress, so we get it. Uh, they should have just broke the fourth wall and said, uh, hey, uh, we'd like to have a serious discussion about this knuckleheadery about race that's going on in this show and how we're comparing it to a robot. They're throwing property around as a euphemism, right. which is not a euphemism, right? Well, that's not a better thing. To, to be property or a living being being the property of another living being, a sentient being like that, it says slavery. And it's, it's also weird in, in an episode where we had the subtle moment with Riker. We have some other subtle moments here and there, uh, some nice character moments. And right. then we have this. It's just like, just in case you didn't get it, it's slavery, thud. Right. Let me get the giant space hammer number one and beat you with it. <laughs> right. That you didn't like that symbiosis episode because it was so, you know, just say no to drugs heavy handed. Right. It's this kind of. I know. You know, you didn't need it. You don't need it. And I, I'm glad to see Whoopi Goldberg. I'm happy to see her. I am too. But- I mean, what I was starting to say about Whoopi, and even when she rolls in to do this one scene, it's still great to see her on camera and she brings a ton to the show, even in a scene that's just not good. But it does kind of diminish what they're doing with the court case because it it just becomes, again, so obvious. But it also makes Picard look like a clueless white guy. Would it have done so in the late 80s, early 90s? 
Eh, you know, that's arguable. You, you, we could make an argument there. But I'm telling you now, in retrospect, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Slavery? Is that a thing? And it's like, yeah, Johnny, it's a thing, bud. That is the frame of the show. And I, I know that, you know, things have changed a lot. True. And you you definitely True. have a show that's written by white, mainly dudes, and they're writing from that perspective, and they're totally blind to these things. And it's sort of like what we talked about last episode, where we have to understand the point of view of a Klingon by seeing a white person go into the Klingon's world right, to understand right. it when you have this Klingon who happens to be African-American on the ship every week. And we could be understanding that perspective better, but but the writing and the producing just can't get their minds around that right. that shift. They can't. It's not even with this lens that we have today, where you know white people shouldn't be writing for people of color. Yeah, but for experiences that they don't own. So it's not even that. Right. It's that they can't even think about it in that way to write about it. So then when you when you drag Whoopi in to this part, then it's like, okay, what do we? How do we really spell out this whole race thing? How do we spell out the idea that he's property? Well, Whoopi was from people that were considered property once. They'll get that right. Right, Gene? Well, and and the worst thing is, too, that Picard is is representing both the British and the French. Yeah, sure. You know, two two of the most it's egregious a, it's a long, empires. No, it's a long time ago now. We don't do that anymore. We don't think like that in the future. It's over, man. Nonetheless. Get your head out of your ass about that stuff. It's over. But we have talked about the colonialism that's embedded in Star Trek in general, right? right. This idea of colonizing planets, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Now this discussion of whether we're gonna have well, we're gonna have disposable people in order to help us perpetuate our empire. Right, I know. And that Maddox has no problem with it, right? I Maddox know. thinks isn't that be great if we had this disposable these disposable people who could just do the dangerous stuff that us white people I mean, us humans I mean I right. wouldn't have to do. I know. And it's like, Ugh. I know. And we got to tell you, Bruce, not so comfortable. Not so uh, good. Bruce, Bruce, that's screwed up, man. It is messed up. And since it's so isolated where they're on the station and Bruce is kind of working alone. And it's almost like, you know, later on, we find out, you know, in the Picard series, that he's almost like this rogue element. And and he. Right. He doesn't necessarily represent Starfleet, but then he has all this authority to take data so it's a weird i mean he obviously does represent starfleet why is this one guy's idea so important and he's going to change the whole course of history and that's what they're having a case about it's just weird that he's been given all that it's also a good argument about bureaucracy in starfleet uh -huh. that he could just do this transfer order thing you know he talked to somebody and somebody thought it was like, hey what do you mean a whole race of people who could be going out there building a starship so we don't have to send other people out Okay, deal. Hey, that's not such a bad idea after all. But I, I want to get back to this moment that yes. there's there's a moment in the episode where Data resigns. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about Data resigning because what does that mean? We've had a lot of questions about what actually goes on in the society of the 24th century. And so Data resigns. What's that dude going to do? I know. Right? I mean, is he going to go back to Earth and hook up with Sonny? And they're going to travel around Earth, and he'll do his stand-up, his Joe right. Piscopo stand-up act while <laughs> yeah, Sonny plays his Git box. I mean, what are what are they going to do? Data, robots for hire. 
he's off pleasuring. Oh, yeah, he's gonna be a. Is that you think he's, he's gonna be a gigolo? He, yeah, he's a. He's a. He's gonna be pimping himself out as you know. Yeah, artificial prostitute. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a vacuum cleaner salesman. He goes door to door. This is not an episode for the children. No, sorry. I've been trying to uh, find ones that I can let my kid listen to. <laughs> it's just not, not going to be this one. Oh, gentle listener. The trial, to me, the trial may have been listening to this episode. And you've been found guilty for loving STTNG's Not Another Star Trek podcast. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it was definitely a that's good, good one. That, that's, the most, that's the most convincing praise I've received in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Case closed on episode 2.9, number one. <laughs> I, I hope you enjoyed this uh, major quality episode following another quality episode, uh, Matter of Honor. Definitely. Because that, that's about to come to an end right now. Oh, no, uh, no, no. next episode no. Is, is a Wesley episode. It's a Wesley oh. episode. You've seen Riker tested. You see Data on trial. Now get ready for Wesley in love. Ah! Wesley in love. Oh, man, this is a cringe fest. Okay, good. So if you like I mean, cringing... Bad. I got news for you. Mm. I got news for you. It, it mm. is cringe central as we look at the Dauphine. Looking forward, young crusher. So you have wild away part of your life listening to STTNG's Not Another Star Trek podcast. I am, as always, Ambassador Andrew. And with me is... Commander Dave E. Dave. Thank you for your kind time and attention. And we will see you next episode. Let's go mind the store. Ah, honk, honk. I say honk, honk. <laughs> Good one. And now for something completely different. <laughs> I can't do it. On the next episode, the dolphin. <laughs> no, you did it so well that one time. I don't know, man. I can feel the dolphin in you, number one. It's episode 10, season 2 of ST. TNG's not another Star Trek podcast. The Dolphin. What the hell does that mean? I, I, I... It's French for dolphin. Really, it has nothing to do with dolphins. It's about morphin aliens. Yeah. Oh no! Kissing girls is gross. It's an episode. <laughs> so- that was good. It's an episode somehow about the Ghostbusters. When someone asks you if you're a god, number one, you say yes. Oh, and feelings. Don't forget Young Crusher's feelings. It's hormones galore. Jordy said your your glands are erupting. Glands, glands erupting with hormones. Get ready to let your animal instincts go wild on the next episode of ST TNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Not Another Dolphin Podcast, number one. <laughs> that was it. That's the one, that one. Back to the editing table, number Dave.